0: Hey, welcome to Being Creative. My name is Rick Leaf, as you know, and I'm the host of this show. Today, I'm throwing the itsy-bitsy spider under the bus, where the wheels go round and round, and I'm not apologizing for it either. (laughs) As always, this is likely to be a wide-ranging conversation that will probably include, you know, Black Sabbath, Elton John, Stevie Wonder, a bunch of kids, some teachers, I don't know. But essentially, it's going to be about music. And I wish you were here. I wish you and I were sitting across from each other because I'd like to hear how you'd finish a sentence. But I know we'll survive one way or the other. So for now, let's do this thing. I'm glad you're here. So this episode's going to be all about music. And if you were sitting right here across from me and this cup of coffee, delicious delicious dark roast that i've got here in my grubby little palms um i would ask you to finish the sentence music is what would you say i know i can't hear you i hope you think of something at least in your head music is um you know i've because i've heard lots of ways to describe music. Some of the descriptions that I like the best are that, you know, music is art and art is conversation with the artist, that music is emotions, music is uh, feelings, it's um, uh, self-expression, that the melodies are wings that let ideas take flight. I I love all of those ideas. For, For me, my own history as a musician has informed my understanding of what music is and why it's important and how it's important. And my perspective comes from both sides of the microphone. For me, uh, drums was my first instrument. It was sort of the first time that music, I remember music really uh, taking uh, over you know, I was, uh, I was raised in a very religious community and the Bible Belt of the Canadian Prairies where drums were considered evil. <laughs> and uh, my brother being older than me had gone off to university and he came back one year with a friend for the summer. And when they went back to university, I went down in the basement and here was this drum kid, must've been the friend of his, had left this drum kid. I don't remember anybody playing at all summer and it was kind of shoved over into the corner. So I remember pulling it out. I figured out how to set it all up. There were some sticks and I just sat down and just started playing it like immediately. And you know, my parents are upstairs. They don't even know that there's a drum kit in the basement. All of a sudden they hear this racket and it's like, <laughs> who in the world is is playing these drums down in our basement? And I just remember them coming, running down the stairs. And here's little Ricky Leaf. Uh, with big grin on his face playing away. And um, I think it must have been so funny. It's just like, where do the drums come from? How in the world does he know how to play it? Good grief. Like, this is the one instrument that's, you know, frowned upon in the community. And here he is, you know, with a natural gift and an ability. And I just loved it. I remember... I went and found a a, you know some kind of a a stereo system dragged the big speakers up behind the little box that I was sitting on with a record player borrowed some records from somebody at school literally vinyl records and uh, came back and just started playing um, the crap out of this drum kit I loved it and uh, you know that was for me my first my first experience to realize, boy, I'm really good at this. I'm naturally good at this. It makes me feel amazing. I love it. I, I didn't know anything about what I was playing or how I was supposed to play it. If there was, I've never been able to, uh, read drum music, never had a drum lesson, just knew how to play and knew how to play a groove. Um, that could lock in with other musicians. Um, it, it, was, it, was, um, it was many years later. I had my experience where um, somebody invited me. There was a, a three-piece band in the small town where I was growing up in, and I don't know what happened to the drummer he left and so you know it's this guy the lead singer and guitar player he's like running the hardware store in town and i go in to get something he's like hey somebody told me that you're you know you play drums you want to come over to my house and uh, and set up and so i'm you know do the whole thing drag this drum kit into the house down the basement down some little stairs and the you know pull a carpet over and it's all you know kind of crappy and And really rough and it's like one two three and here we go we're just playing pop songs Beatles songs whatever and man I could not get the grin off of my face uh, as we started to play and I was like I'm playing songs that I've heard on the radio and I know how to play them and these guys know how to play them and and from the minute we could do that it was just this amazing experience and uh, I started playing you know with them in in bars and clubs and to see uh, people getting out on the dance floor and I'm playing music that people are dancing to uh, it was just magic for me it was amazing and then um, I have this car accident where I wake up on life support in the hospital I find out that I've been airlifted with this uh, helicopter into this, uh, into Calgary, Alberta, into the big foothills hospital. And I wake up on this, um, life support, this machine, this breathing for me. They don't know if I'm, um, paralyzed. I don't know if I'll ever walk again, all this uncertainty. And it it took me most of a year to get out of the hospital, get out of many surgeries later, plates and pins and everything holding me all together. And if you've ever had to spend a prolonged period of time in the hospital, in spite, like in addition to all of the pain and the discomfort, it is just so boring and you're just laying there. And so I remember saying to somebody, could you get, um, could you get me, uh, a keyboard and my left hand, my left wrist was broken, my left fingers were broken, so they were all in a cast, but I had my right hand, my legs were, you know, immobile and everything. And and somebody brought me this little keyboard and they with some headphones, and they would lay it on my lap, and I would uh, put the headphones on with one hand. I would just start playing these different synth sounds and piano sounds, and uh, that was how I started to play music. And... As I got out of the hospital, still months and months of rehab and physio and everything else, still not really able to do anything. So I'm still writing songs. And I was 19 or 20 at the time. And it was in many ways, my life was over. I loved hockey. That's all I was kind of living for. And the dream of where hockey might take me. And it's like, well, I'm not gonna be able to play anymore, ever. Not going to be able to do the job I did you know ever um, just because of the physical limitations and so I was dealing with at 19 or 20 years old the biggest event of my life I was super just dis- you know discouraged and I was despairing about everything and so I wrote you know the darkest um, songs probably of my life certainly songs that I <laughs> never want to hear um again and never want to play. And they were probably really terrible and crappy and super morbid and, and melancholy and everything else. But that was where music came from. It was this way to weave dark thoughts of depression and despair into songs that worked as a catharsis um, for me, honestly. And so music for me, um, and playing an instrument was was right from the drum kit it was just like fun and it was exciting and it was amazing and I was discovering something about myself I didn't even know I didn't know I could play that I didn't know I have a natural gift that was encouraging that helped me gain confidence and try other things then to um, find music in this dark place the darkest hardest season of my life uh, that it gave me a way to work through my dark, you know, thoughts and despair and discouragement and whatever. And that lasted for years. And again, really super personal. I didn't know how to what chords I was playing, didn't know what notes I was playing. That's why I find, you know, the idea of like music is, if I'm going to say music is, is uh, a conversation with the musician, it's uh, art, it's self-expression. It's like, I'm not going to say music is... Uh, technique, technical. It's not technique. It's not scales. It's not even an instrument. Music is all of this other stuff for me, this uh, about related to expression. And so I find it fascinating when I go into places like schools where, and I'm going to tell you about a couple experiences I had recently with some different music um, teachers that were very different from each other in two different schools um as just as well as the the view and the perspective that some people have that is so different from mine I find it amazing um but I gotta tell you the story about the first hit song I ever wrote coming up So here's the story of the first hit song i i'd moved to the okanagan which is in british columbia the west kind of coast of, not quite the coast but west um part of canada I moved to this town city of Kelowna, and met a bunch of musicians and this was the the places early mid 90s grunge is happening in seattle we're kind of you know a day's drive away so we're playing lots uh, that's kind of the music of the day lots of stuff going on and uh, one of the I, I found this musical community that was playing every Friday night and there's like two three four hundred people showing up every week to hear these songs and there was kind of this pool of musicians a number of different guitar players bass players singers drummers everything else and there was two primary songwriters singer-songwriters uh leaders of these bands and they'd kind of like draw on whoever from this pool of musicians this community of musicians to play with them for a given week so you're showing up on a let's say Tuesday night I don't remember what it was to rehearse the number of songs and we'd be playing for hours um every single set Friday night and then Friday night was the event and so you're playing for hours on Tuesday night. And that was where I was learning arrangements and how to play with other people and how to make space for other musicians and how to play with, you know, emotions and energy and dynamics. And sometimes I would be playing drums. Sometimes I would uh, be playing keyboards. And that was all fascinating. And then the actual, you know, week after week to be able to be on stage playing, and if I wasn't one of the musicians that was chosen to play that particular week, I would have an opportunity to be in the crowd, um, knowing all of the songs, knowing how to play all those songs. But then having the that experience from the other side of the mic, what songs make me dan- want to dance, what songs made me want to like lose my mind and what songs made me want to like sing at the top of my lungs. And it was this really formative period for me as a musician. Uh, basically, the information you would get from the other musicians I don't know that anybody really wrote or read music you'd get a lyric sheet um to follow along and it would have if the song was in C you know you'd have C written above the lyrics where the chord changed to C and then to G and then to F or whatever and so you needed to learn how to what is an F what is a C what is a G Uh, I figured out you know how to what chords were what that way, but really you're just playing um, along. And in most pop rock, it's super simple anyways, right? So I, I'm, I'm writing, uh, I'm not writing, I'm, I'm learning how to play. I'm playing with those these people. And there was this one friend that was um, one of the leaders and I knew he was going through a tough time. And so I was at my house in my garage that I had converted to being a rehearsal space. And I start pounding out this melody on my piano all by myself. And uh, I just kind of start singing out a bunch of stuff in kind of to the universe with the intention of it, you know, encouraging my friend somehow. And I was like, you know, that was a really, you know, I would like to kind of record that and, and give it to him. And he was the main songwriter so i i'd written a couple other songs and i just threw this one at the end I was like hey i was thinking about you the other night and just pounding this away and and so i give him this tape well a couple days later he phones me up and he's like ruck i gotta come over to your house and the last song it was amazing we gotta like it was an amazing song and i'm like what this one no not that one this song no not that one the last thing you put on the the, the tape whatever and i'm like that's not even a song. I was just like pounding away on my on my piano and like kind of singing stuff for you and he's like, "No, no, that was amazing." And this is where I think it was what was so great about it. I don't know what I thought a song was, but it wasn't like or what music was, but it wasn't, you know, when I ask you what music is, I would have if I if somebody had said a song is or songwriting is, I would have probably gone well. You know, you need to have an intro and then a verse, first verse, and then a you know transition or a pre-chorus and then a chorus and then a second verse and then you know some turnarounds, maybe a bridge and an out chorus. You know, whatever. I was probably thinking the formula that I was learning and this song that I had written that you know we ended up calling it be released. I'm just pounding the keys of my piano, pouring out my heart and intention to the universe, you know, on behalf of my friend. And he's like, no, 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 that's a song. You gotta play it here. Let me just play you how it sounded. I've just found, I'm, I just found a version of this song uh, from a live recording. So let me just play it at the beginning. This is how it sounds. Okay. Right. So just dude is just pounding on the keyboard. So my friend, Andrew, he says, you know, I'm playing on Friday night. He says, um, in our break between sets, I want you to get up. I want you to like tell everybody about this song. I want you to just play it for it. You just grab the keyboard and just play it. So I show up. I, this is my, you know my community so it wasn't like um nervous that way but i've never played my own song so i get up and I'm like well andrew wants me to play the song and this is what i was doing the i was in my garage and i was like pounding the crap out of my keyboard and this is what i did and i start playing it well all by myself i start playing it and the place goes bonkers Not and not because of my technique or my musicianship um not for the key i was playing in or the scales it was the feeling the emotion it was the release it's you know what does Maya Angelou say you know they're not going to remember what you said or what you did they're going to remember how you made them feel and that song made the crowd feel something and the lyrics are all about like running like um through the fields, like kind of running wildly in, in freedom, and and rising on a, on wings like an eagle to rise above the things or whatever. Well, the audience did, man. They started literally running around the building, and uh, it was uh, this kind of. Um, I think it was originally this building was built to be a uh, like an open market kind of mall thing, so two levels, but like how a mall would have that massive open area on the on the ground floor and then there'd be like all those shops and and the hallway around upstairs so there's this upstairs area around where the band is playing in this building and uh the crowd like 100 of them just start screaming with joy and excitement and they start running around the main floor and then somebody starts running up the staircase to run around up stop up top and then we're not supposed to be up there apparently And so they had a security guy up there who's like kind of jumps out into the middle of the hallway, sees this crowd of maniacs running toward him, screaming and he's trying to like spread his arms and his legs like, no, you can't come through, boom. They just pull this dude over and a hundred people start running around. Like if it was a mall and you were playing on the main floor and they just start running around that concourse on the top and everybody's screaming and jumping. And then the band, you know, it, the, the verse of this song is like two chords pounding back and forth. And then there's maybe three chords for the chorus. So easy. These The band, they stop running around and they just run back up onto the stage and grab their instruments and they just start playing. And now the, the, the energy just goes bananas. We play through the song like probably a couple times. For me, that's where music comes from. It is a visceral, emotional experience. It it creates community. When we sing together, when we dance together, it's how we feel. And I Now, these days, for the last 10, 15 years, I spend most of my time playing and writing and recording and performing in schools with students to pass on that experience of how exciting it is to write something together, how amazing it is when we write something that makes us feel like dancing or running around or singing or whatever and how it brings us together which is what brings us back you know to the beginning of this episode music is what is it so that's where it comes from to me that's what informs me wait before i move on you want to hear a little bit about how this song goes i again this is the the last part of this um song As the band is like kicking in and we're like ramping it back up, putting it, check this out. Our experiences are not all the same. I love um, grounding. My understanding of this world and my own experiences as much as possible, and I, I do love hearing other people's experiences and where they're coming from. I realize that we're we're all very different, and I have learned I've learned to really appreciate the opposing and uh, very differing experiences and and feelings and understandings that people have about things that I'm passionate about, like music. I've had some interesting experiences recently too were with a couple of music teachers in different schools. They were very different. <laughs> I'd like to tell you about both. Uh, another experience was in a school um, where I was given a song that they had, the teachers had written like an anthem for their school that these teachers had written that that aren't songwriters and, uh, and, <laughs> I gotta tell you about that story. And then there was a, finally, there was a a school where the principal admitted that they wanted to book me again. I'd been at their school previously. We'd written a song, we'd performed and recorded it and made a video. But when they, the principal threw it out to the teachers in their staff room, the teachers passed on it uh, because they said they just wanted to spend a year, you know, singing the itsy bitsy spider and the wheels on the bus go round and round. So I, I have something I need to talk to, to share about that because as per usual, I found it all fascinating. So let's start with the two teachers. Um, the one music teacher, she was older. Um, but man, we we started having this conversation. She had the opportunity to sit in on a couple of the sessions that I was doing with the students in her school. And uh, she was so curious after she came up. She was just so full of life and curiosity. She loved music. And it was obviously that love of music and that was what motivated her to teach the students and how to teach the students so as she watched me work with them i think she really resonated with wow these are really cool and look at how the kids are like so into it and uh, she said at one point she's like rick do you have any tutorials like uh chords or music charts or tab or anything else because she's like i'm always looking for music to teach to these students Uh, It was her conversation that led me to this, you you know, if you know anything about me online, what I'm talking about these days, I just finished an eight month project of putting together songs for schools, where I took 10 of the songs, some of the most popular songs that I've been doing, you know, writing with different schools and recording and performing them, I went into the studio and professionally uh, recorded them and produced them. And then for each of these songs, I produced three different videos. One was the story behind the song so that I could tell, you know, little primary students, you know, kindergarten, junior kindergarten, up to grade one, two, three, whatever. We all love stories, but particularly little kids, they, you know, they listen to the same story over and over again. I remember reading my own kids stories. You just finished the book and they'd be like, read it again. You know, they sometimes they just sit there. You could read that book over and over and over again. So students love stories. So I made one video where I just tell you the story of how the song came to be. Where was I? Who was I writing with? What was the conversation that we were having about bullying or kindness or school spirit or whatever? And and that kind of behind the scenes story, it just makes songs uh, more meaningful when you understand where they're coming from and you understand some of the humor maybe even. Uh, Then there's a lyric video so that makes it super easy for a teacher that might want to use that song in their classroom to just click play. There's the lyrics and uh, everybody can sing along. We professionally produced the music for this project to be played through you know smart TVs and the boards and the bluetooth speakers that I see in schools all the time. You might not think that would make a difference but if you're making music for people to play in uh, really expensive home studios or really expensive car stereos. I mean, where they have lots of, you know, bass and bottom end and you're trying to get all this dynamic, you would mix it in a master your songs in a particular way. But I know that these songs are mostly going to be played in schools. And so we created them and produced them specifically for that environment. And then because of this conversation with this music teacher, I made another video where I'm just playing each song on the ukulele showing you the chord charts that you need to know so maybe you need to know two or three or four chords and here they are here's the fingering for them it's going back to that way that uh, self-taught and pop rock musicians learn how to play other people's songs like I did when I moved to Kelowna and somebody gives you a lyric sheet and you see where the lyrics are and the chord changes are written in on those uh, lyric charts so that you can see where to change from C to F to G. So I put those together. So this resource was there um, for teachers like this lady who was just like, man, if you, I see how much these kids love these songs. And if you had some chord charts, I would love to teach them how to play it because they'd already know how they, you know, they already know how the songs go. So they would just be learning how to play something that they'd already be motivated to do. And I'm super excited now that we've launched Songs for Schools, just to see. Um, I, you know, I, I picture how lovely this would be in an elementary school if you've got, let's say the awesome song, And you've got the little JKs, kindergartners, and grade ones and twos, and they're they're listening to the song, the story behind the song. They're understanding this. They're learning the actions. Then they're in their class singing it. But then, you know, those intermediate classes, four, five, and six, maybe they're learning in music class how to sing the awesome song and play it on ukulele. And I just picture, oh, can you imagine, you know, in the hallways or at lunchtime in the common area or maybe even outside on the playground some kids with the uh, ukulele um, singing away the awesome song and everybody knows the song people start coming around they're singing i mean that's my dream that kind of love for music and passing that on so that was one teacher i really connected and related to her well lo and behold if i don't meet another music teacher in a different school and she's much younger and for her I don't know how exactly what words she would use. If she filled in that statement, music is, talking to her, watching her, I would say she would do something like music is theory, music is notes, music is technique, music is scales, music is rules. Um, She showed absolutely no love for music or... (laughs) life <laughs> i don't know it was uh it was really interesting to watch a music teacher who seemed to have no emotional or uh, connection to music that it was all intellectual it was all technique and i'm like boy i i'm not sure i i don't agree that that's what it, it is all about i certainly in an elementary school don't think that that's really the value I think like I, I grew up in in Canada right and I like pretty much every Canadian kid I, I played hockey and I don't think there's I've ever met a Canadian kid who played hockey because they wanted to do power skating drills or they wanted to do dry land training running up and down the bleachers in the arena like we all wanted to play hockey because somebody put a stick in our hands and maybe we ran around out in the street with our friends, or maybe we were on a pond, or maybe we just got to get on the ice or played floor hockey in gym or something. Like we we got to run around with our friends, bash each other and uh, and score some goals and just have fun. And to me, music in elementary school more than anywhere, music should always be fun, um, but certainly there. And so I would never focus on like, here's the, here's the specific, Um, notes here's the scale you have to learn to play the scale before you can play a song you know what (laughs) you don't but anyways I'm not getting into that That was just fascinating because I thought of those two teachers and and whoever you are out there maybe our experiences with music is very different but who would you want to be taught by the first teacher who's it's in love with music and is curious and is having fun and wants to like find music that's going to connect with their students because that's going to be more fun to teach and to learn or do you want to be would you want to be taught by the the perfectionist person who really shows no love for uh, music just wants you to do it the right way i know who i would love and i think you probably would too so that was my first couple of experiences i thought was so funny but then Hang on to your shorts there (laughs) because I went into another school and as I was coming there, the school wrote me and said, hey, we've had some teachers who have written a school song and uh, (laughs) they sent me the song. Now, here's what's interesting about songwriting. I mean, it's a little bit of a, a rabbit trail, but when you're writing a song, I think, the vast majority of us who are songwriters you're trying to use as few words as possible to say as much as possible or everything that you want to say because you want to leave space for melody you want to leave space for movement and for thoughts and ideas you're trying to find that way you've got you've got to combine the melodies with the chords and your you know and what it is that you're trying to say so this school their anthem was what i've come to expect from non-songwriters and people who are coming with uh they're approaching songwriting as a tool for let's say teaching and what do they want to teach well they're going to take every belief and every value and acronym and learning objective that they have put up in the posters around the school and they're going to jam every single thing that they've ever articulated as a value or belief into the lyrics of the song. So it's like the song was essentially like, we're going to come to school. With an open heart and an open mind, and we're gonna keep our hands to ourselves and our feet, and you know, we're gonna put on our inside shoes and sit at our desk politely and not like literally those were the lyrics. They were just like this, and you know, and they'd have something like arts would be an acronym, you know, acceptance, respect, together, and security or safety. And it's like, and we are accepting respect together because we're safe and secure. <laughs> just like what, what kind of a laundry list of words. It was absolutely unsingable. There was no distinguishable flow. The only thing that made it recognizable as a song was the fact that they'd taken a very popular rock song and written their own lyrics and just crammed them all in. So the tune was familiar, but the lyrical train wreck was startling and, um, almost horrific in a, in a very, um, um, pile up sort of a way that you can't still keep yourself from morbidly kind of rubbernecking as you uh, drive by. So that was also very fascinating. Um, The approach that somebody else would say music is um, it's there to uh, serve my desire to um, you know, express this laundry list of values and beliefs. Or something and I would say as a songwriter it's like I come when I'm coming with a project whether it's with students in a school or whether it's with other professional musicians in a studio I'm there to serve the song the song is not there to serve me so I want to bring all of my my thoughts and my ideas and my musicianship and every possible idea that I might have that would make that song better Um, by working with those people who are around me. And in that process of working together, we always discover things about ourselves and each other that we never could have known otherwise, Um, to find opportunities to work with people where, you know, your weakness, the area that you're weakest in is your opportunity to work with somebody that that's their strength. And that is such a a fantastic sort of team building uh, respect, generating experience. I really love that. The last experience I want to tell you about was how interestingly enough, and this is why the Itsy Bitsy Spiders is getting it, you know, for me today. Um, I had a school years ago. I went there. We'd recorded the year before we'd recorded written a song together we recorded it performed it we created a video every student in the school was involved to articulate what made them and their school special and what we could celebrate about them and and it was man it was amazing i remember in the video there was this one grade six boy had a really long hair on the top with a shaved sides and i think his hair was normally in a ponytail or something and kind of to be goofy but there's a place for goofy and this was definitely it in the assembly on friday afternoon um, he let his hair down and he's off with his friends and it really was an upbeat you know song big school anthem and he just starts banging his head and somebody was running one of my cameras managed to capture this moment where he's just banging his head and his friends are all laughing and when i slowed that down and put that into slow motion in the video. I mean, it looks so epic. It just, he's just flowing hair, flying just like a wheat field and everybody smiles and it's just so full of joy. And that was very much like, you know, be released and everybody running around. So I'd been to this school before and the principal was excited and interested in bringing me back to do a very, you know, the same kind of a project a year or two later. And, uh, was about to book me but then went to the staff meeting and said we'd like to bring Rick back and uh, some of the um, teachers apparently said no we don't want to we don't we don't want to do that we want to focus on singing the itsy bitsy spider and uh, the wheels on the bus go round and round and these teachers had been in that school the year before, they'd seen all of the students come together to participate in, in writing this song and recording it. They'd seen the the families, it was a small community. And I have find lots of times the, the assembly that happens on a Friday afternoon, that's usually we work all week to get to the assembly, and we're all gonna get into the gym and record it there. And this school, and I find lots of times the smaller communities, this is what happens, A lot of parents will come out and there must have been a hundred close to 70 plus um, family members, parents and grandparents who all came out to watch their students. So like huge integration with the community and what a great community building experience and and everybody's there. And these teachers had been part of that. And for them to say, no, we want, you know, the itsy bitsy spider and, and the wheels and the bus go round and round. And that took me back to a revelation I had when I had my first kid. I'll tell you about that here. Let's give me one second. I know that the five of you who listen to me are are probably patient enough that I don't even need to say this, but you know, I have to keep stopping every once in a while so that I can have some of this amazing dark roast coffee that I spoke to as it's quickly cooling beside me, but I don't want to be like um, sitting here slurping away into the microphone and driving you crazy. So. <clears throat> what happened I had my first kid this and this is years ago and I remember thinking oh I got a kid now guess we better get some kid music so I went and uh bought like Barney the CD of Barney that purple dinosaur thing <laughs> I didn't even get a song, Uh, probably, I I probably didn't even get one song through and I hated that stupid voice. I hated the crappy songs. I hated it. I pulled it out of my uh, stereo and I remember throwing it across the room, not like, you know, like I lost my mind or anything, but just like out of complete disgust. I'm like, that's not music. And I remember saying to my partner, you know, if he's a little kid and he doesn't know music yet, and we want to introduce him to music, why wouldn't we introduce him to good music? Let's introduce him to like the Beatles and U2 and and like good bands and like, let that be his deal. So yeah, he grew up, uh, he grew up with a, a great musical, uh, uh, t- um, what, what did he do? Well, he grew up with good musical taste. And, uh, so here's why I'm throwing that itsy bitsy spider and it's dysfunctional relationship with precipitation under the bus. Cause when music is none of these things that we're, we've been, you know, alluding to through this entire episode, if it doesn't make us feel, if it doesn't make us think, if it doesn't make us run or dance, what good is it? You know, I would say that the, you know, about something like, like, Okay, for instance, you're going to say, um, you know, it's it's good, it brings kids together. Well, so does all of the music that I'm writing with students. And sorry if this sounds like I'm really advocating for myself. I'm just like, I love music. And so when I'm writing with students and I'm like, what do you want to write about? Well, they wrote a book. They read a book about um, how we all have this invisible bucket and we could do or say nice things for each other. and We could fill each other's buckets without draining our own. That's the gist of this book. I'm like, and they're like, we want to write a song about bucket filling. So we write a song about what they want to write about. I go into another school in um, grade twos and the, the principal walks in to see what I'm doing with them. And I'm like, what do you guys want to write a song about? And the principal points to this poster on the wall that's like solid figures are fat, not flat. Um, a cone is like a party hat, sphere is like a bouncy ball. She's like, why don't you write a song about solid figures? So we write a song about solid figures, which is now a hit song. So students are having fun doing the actions. They're learning about um, shapes. Like, why not? Why not learn something and have fun and move to it and dance to it and sing to it and have joy like some of the songs about anti-bullying. It's like that's a conversation every class in every school is having probably almost every single day. So you write a song about it. You write a song about talk to me. You write a song about being a good friend or, you know, all of these things. Why not uh, let the, the music and the songs that we listen to and we create become, you know, as much as they possibly can. Make us dance, make us think, help us come together. You know, I watched a documentary on YouTube. Um, it was about the seventies and the music of the seventies and which is before my time. But what struck me is what a wild decade that must've been. The artists and the bands at the times, they, that they weren't just writing songs, they were actually creating the genres their songs. You got Ozzy, Black Sabbath, and ACDC that are writing heavy metal. They're creating the genre of heavy metal. Alice Cooper's making shock rock. Aerosmith and Led Zeppelin are creating blues rock. Queen is creating prog rock. Elton John and Kiss are creating glam rock. Fleetwood Mac's doing the whole singer-songer pop genre. Joni Mitchell, Bob Dylan, their whole ilk—they're doing folk music. Stevie Wonder, uh, George Clinton—they're—they're they're creating the genre of funk. All of Motown is coming up with R&B. The Allman Brothers and Leonard Skinner—they're doing Southern blues rock, and it's all happening at the same time. This this documentary was like so fascinating you know they're they're talking to these musicians that are like we're writing this and we're coming up with this but you know we'd be in this we'd be in Boston and we'd be doing our show you know I, mean, I think it was Aerosmith or somebody was saying like, you know we're we're doing this show and then somebody says well you know Stevie Wonders you know across town and he's doing this late night set over here and they're going over to to check out what's happening in the world of funk or they're going to check out what's happening in this prog rock or shock rock genre where somebody else is creating this whole thing uh, that we're not part of. And it's inspiring everybody. And I thought, man, what a fascinating time to be alive and to be an artist and to be creative. And so when we come to this idea of how you would fit it in, how, how you would fill in that, that statement, music is, you know, a lot of musicians that I would know and work with, but even, you know, professional musicians like David Grohl from Foo Fighters, and I hear lots of interviews and people are like, you know, this whole idea of American Idol and The Voice and this whole idea that is reduced music down to basically being a lottery ticket now instead of being about self expression and movement and feeling it's like who is going to win the lottery and become a millionaire who's going to become famous and it's not the point at all you know and it's also interesting our perspectives on all this stuff you know this year i've i've worked with well over 60,000 Students through the mentorship programs and the artist residencies that I've done over the years, and it's not really surprising, I've been in it for so long, it's probably way over 60,000 actually. But this year, I met a young 14 year old young woman who came into the studio, we were set up, and she came in no song, no lyrics, no nothing. And uh, somebody just said, hey, she's got a good voice. You know, maybe you could let her sing something. And so I grab my acoustic guitar. I just start playing a groove, trying to find a melody like I would with anybody. And she just starts singing, just starts making something up. And we're like, well, that sounded pretty cool. Like, you, what are you singing about? Oh, she doesn't have nothing. So she grabs a pen, a pencil and a piece of paper and just quickly jots some um, lyrics down. Now, I had a chance to work with her that day and one other day. And I'll be honest, I've never, I've hardly ever heard anybody who sings like this young girl. I've never heard a 14-year-old sing like this. It was like this soulful, incredibly rich, deep voice coming out of this, um, this young uh, student. And you know what I think she should do? I think she should get a guitar or a piano or something and she should just start writing songs. And most of the songs she writes would be terrible because they are for all of us. We we start writing these crappy, morbid, depressing, discouraging, whatever songs, but that's how you get anywhere. That's how you get to the good songs, by writing, getting all the bad ones out of the way. And you start writing and start demystifying the process and going, I could write about anything I want. I could write a happy song, a sad song. I could be mad. I could be depressed. I could be like writing about you. I could be writing about me. I could be writing about my dog or my cat. I could be writing about the forest or the 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 storm or the snow I could write about anything I want and that's the point yeah you could write about anything you want how does it make you feel and how do you want your audience to feel and how do you want your listeners to feel and do you want them to sing along with you uh and it was so funny because I'm just trying to encourage her like her pitch wasn't perfect everything wasn't perfect uh and I didn't expect it to be and I that is not even the point And I got what people were, you know, there's a number of people in the, in the conversations, if we'd be hanging out and there'd be some people around and I'd just be like, wow, you know, your voice is amazing. You know, I just hope you start writing songs and the the people would all be like, you should take some lessons. You should take voice lessons. You should take music lessons. And I understand that these people are just trying to encourage her. So I take the heart for what they're saying, but no, music doesn't it isn't technique it isn't scales it isn't rules it isn't notes it's feeling and emotions it's ideas and when you meet somebody and it's like their their emotions their heart is literally coming right out of their vocal cords let them sing about anything everything they should sing about absolutely everything because it was such a rich experience So. I found it fascinating. I've been thinking now, I mean, I've been working four months on this, uh, songs for schools project because I wanted everything to, to be an incredible tool, for principals who maybe have a limited budget and they're looking to boost their music program. I wanted it to be the sort of thing that teachers would find so convenient and easy to use that would support them as they uh, try to engage and inspire the students. And for those students, I want there to be songs that you want to sing to, songs that you want to dance to and run around to and do the actions to. So, That's what I was like. I've been putting all of my creative time and energy and that's why this idea of music is. What is it for me? What is it for you? Um, What place does it have in our life to make our life better? Um, Hey, as always, i love getting to the end of these things and going how do i stop flapping my gums in the breeze because once i get going about things that i care about and particularly when i'm fueled by delicious dark roast coffee it's almost impossible to take a breath (laughs) i love this though the whole thing being creative trying to figure this stuff out it's a mindset for me it's a lifestyle i think it is for some of you and it is a, a mindset and a lifestyle that produces energy in our life. And it's that energy that empowers our resiliency and the confidence that we need to face the challenges that life throws at us. Here we are in 2024. Um, I'm sure that life has not stopped throwing incredible challenges in front of you and in your face um, just because you know the calendar turned to a new month. So I hope that this process This creative process is creating momentum in your life and uh, carries you through and into uh, everything that that we've got to go through here in this new year of 2024. So thanks so much for listening and I will see you next time.